in an apparent accident. Baldwin saying his heart is broken. The questions, what went wrong? What type of projectile was fired? And new reporting, why crew members walked off the set hours before the fatal shot. Also tonight, Pfizer saying its COVID vaccine is more than 90% effective in children, 5 to 11. How soon could they get it? Plus, boosters for all three brands now available. Who is eligible? And mix and match boosters. If you got Johnson & Johnson first, should you get a different booster? The Supreme Court taking up challenges to the Texas abortion law, but leaving it in place. There's word Democrats are close to a deal on President Biden's agenda, what's in and what's out. The urgent recall by Walmart, the product containing a rare bacteria linked to deaths. What to do if you have a bottle in your home? Inside the supply chain crisis, what I found during my visit to a major U.S. port where a massive traffic jam of ships waits to unload. And remembering Peter Scolari, the Emmy-winning actor's two-year-long health battle. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. Here in Hollywood and across the film industry, there is shock and disbelief tonight after actor Alec Baldwin was involved in a fatal and apparent accidental shooting of a woman on a New Mexico movie set. Baldwin expressing his shock and sadness over the death of the film's cinematographer after the 63-year-old movie and TV star fired a gun used as a prop during production of a Western-themed movie. The movie's director was wounded. Film experts tonight are aghast that such an accident could happen given strict safety standards governing firearms on film sets. Tonight, no charges have been filed, but plenty of questions, including whether safety concerns were dismissed before the shooting. Baldwin pledging his cooperation with police. Miguel Almaguer now with late details. Shortly after the fatal shooting, a distressed Alec Baldwin outside the Sheriff's Department in Santa Fe. Investigators say the veteran actor fired a prop gun on his New Mexico movie set Thursday, killing the film's director of photography and seriously injuring the director. According to court documents obtained by the AP and not verified by NBC News, Baldwin was handed a weapon by an assistant director who indicated it was safe to use, but who did not know live rounds were in the prop gun. The director of photography was shot in the chest. So was it loaded with a real bullet or one? I, don't, I cannot tell you that. We have two injuries. But just hours before the deadly shooting on the set of Rust, an independent movie in which Baldwin is also one of the producers, NBC News has learned several crew members walked off the set over safety concerns, including multiple previous misfires of the prop gun, according to a source familiar with the matter. Baldwin, who's 63, expressing remorse. There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. One of the things about uh, firearms on set that, that people don't realize is that even if it's set up to fire blanks, federally, it's still a real gun. Larry Zanoff, a Hollywood weapons expert who was not on the set of Rust, says when strict safety guidelines are followed, accidents should never happen. The way we handle firearms and the blank ammunition on set, that seems very difficult to imagine how a blank would do that. 
1993, after Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee, was killed in a filming accident involving a prop gun, industry safety measures tightened. To my mind, this accident happens because somebody missed some check that they should have done. Hutchins, who was 42 and posted photos of horseback riding near the set, was quickly becoming a Hollywood star. Rust actress Frances Fisher posting this tribute, saying, Rest in paradise, dear Helena. Tonight, a tragic accident, and now mounting questions as to how something like this could ever happen. Miguel, joining me right now, as you mentioned, so many questions here. What's the movie production company saying? The production company says they're not aware of any complaints about safety, but they say they're fully cooperating with investigators. All right, Miguel, thanks very much. Important new developments tonight on the COVID vaccine front. There is good news for parents who want their younger children vaccinated and for people waiting to get the added protection of a booster shot. Tom Costello now has the latest. Lucky for you, nothing keeps you connected like AT&T 5G. Is that fast? Oh, yeah, it's fast. For that age group, now the FDA will meet next week to consider giving its approval. Plenty of children get seriously ill if you go to pediatric hospitals throughout the country. So although the incidence of severe disease is less, we still want to protect the children. Meanwhile, the CDC has now officially cleared all vaccine booster shots. Here's what you need to know. If you received your second Moderna or Pfizer vaccine more than six months ago, you're eligible for a booster if you're at least 65 years old or you live in a long-term care facility or you have underlying medical conditions or you live or work in a high-risk location. Pregnant women are also encouraged to get a booster. If you're among the 15 million Americans who received the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and it's been at least two months, you can get a booster right now regardless of your age. And anyone can get a different booster than their original vaccine dose. There may be some people who um, might prefer another vaccine over the one that they received, and the, the current CDC recommendations now make that possible. In Chicago, 28-year-old Sean Paul originally got the J&J &J vaccine. He's now hoping for even more protection. I am interested in getting one of the other shots, if possible, and if that's what the CDC recommends as well, then I'll definitely do that. In D.C., 76-year-old Roger Griggs works in a community clinic, putting him at increased risk for breakthrough COVID. Hey, he wants another Moderna dose. I want to try to help protect my family and my grandkids and my co-workers and myself from, from this deadly virus. As this vaccine starts to wane, we want to make sure that uh, there's not another spike of COVID uh, in our communities. Boosting immunity as the country enters its third COVID winter. For those who've had the J&J &J vaccine, experts believe a Moderna or Pfizer booster shot would offer a more robust antibody protection. But a second J&J &J vaccine would also provide about 94% protection. Lester? A lot of decisions that we made there. Tom, thank you. New tonight, the Supreme Court refusing once again to block that Texas law that bans most abortions in the state. Pete Williams is here, and Pete, the court agree agreed, however, to take up challenges to the law with unusual speed. Yes, Lester, the court agreed to take up two challenges to the law on November 1st, but it delayed acting on the Biden administration's request to put the law on hold while these cases play out. One of them is a challenge brought by abortion providers in Texas who say the state can't pass a law violating the right of access to abortion but then hand off enforcement to private lawsuits. 
And then the court will decide whether the Biden Justice Department has the legal authority to file its own lawsuit. Texas says the federal government can't sue the state this way. Justice Sonia Sotomayor said the court should have blocked the law for now. She said women seeking abortion are entitled to immediate relief. So as a practical matter, this means the Texas law is likely to remain in effect for at least several more months, Lester. All right, Pete Williams of the Supreme Court, thank you. New signs this evening. Democrats may finally be close to a deal on President Biden's spending plans, minus some key elements he fought for. Meantime, the president facing new criticism over some of his responses at a town hall. Peter Alexander at the White House now with more. Tonight, after months of infighting, top Democrats insist they're nearing a deal on President Biden's multi-trillion dollar spending plans. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi expressing optimism after a morning meeting with the president. It's exciting because it never is. It's going to be bigger than anything we've ever done for the American people. Democrats say the House will aim to vote on a bipartisan infrastructure bill and the president's larger social policy package next week. Compromise become a dirty word, but it's... Bipartisanship and compromise still has to be possible. President Biden in a CNN town hall revealing key parts of his signature plan are off the table to satisfy holdouts within his party, abandoning tuition-free community college, shrinking paid parental leave from 12 weeks to four, and likely scrapping a cornerstone clean energy program that's opposed by West Virginia's Joe Manchin. And to accommodate another moderate, Kirsten Cinema, who refuses to back a tax hike on corporations, Democrats are now scrambling to find other ways to pay for their plan, all of it highlighting the challenges of an evenly divided Senate. We have 50 Democrats. Everyone is a president. <laughs> Every single one. The president also raising eyebrows, saying he's considering deploying the National Guard to help ease the overwhelmed U.S. supply chain. Absolutely. Positively. I would do that. In fact, that's a decision that would be up to governors. And the president's drawing criticism for this answer about Americans struggling with rising gas prices that just hit a seven-year high, admitting he does not have an immediate solution. I must tell you, I don't have a near-term answer. Adding to the urgency for the president, the White House is eager to have an agreement on his plans before he heads overseas next week, hoping to showcase aggressive actions combating climate change at key summits in Europe. Lester? All right, Peter Alexander, thanks. You heard the president talk about the clogged supply chain. In just 60 seconds, I'll take you inside the massive port of Long Beach, where I spoke to workers on the front lines. Also, the urgent warning about a room spray that may be linked to a deadly bacteria. More than a week after President Biden announced seaports here in the Los Angeles area would switch to 24-7 operations to speed up the supply chain, other kinks farther along the chain may be preventing that. I got a first-hand look with some of the people who offload the containers when they reach the docks. We're at the port of Long Beach in California. The International Longshore and Warehouse Union inviting us for a rare look at an unprecedented supply chain crisis through their eyes. What you're seeing out there is a problem of the supply chain being stretched at, at, at its fullest point. Forty percent of U.S. imports come through this port and the neighboring port of Los Angeles. Much of it stuck for weeks in a giant backup at sea. Eighty-one massive ships currently in line waiting to unload. We were there to see one of the ships that had docked. It's going to take 10 days to offload the 6,200 containers on this ship alone. But the time it takes to get that cargo to its final destination will be determined by other potential choke points in the supply chain. 
President Biden recently touted 24-7 operations here as a way to ease the backlog. Today's announcement has the potential to be a game changer. But so far, workers say not much has changed. Frank Ponce de Leon has been a crane operator for 25 years, telling us dock workers who have been on the job throughout the pandemic stand ready to move cargo around the clock. But they've been given few orders to do so. Since they announced 24-7, have your workers' lives changed appreciably? Uh, no, they have not. He says there's no shortage of workers at the local dispatch hall. Union leaders stressing dock workers are available 24-7, but it's not up to them when they're called to work. Is it frustrating to you that so much attention on the supply chain is coming here on the ports? Yes, it is. This is not uh, L.A. Long Beach problem. This is greater than that. Other parts in the supply chain need to, uh, to be in tune with working 24-7. The next link, trains and trucks, moving all those goods out of the port. Drivers like Josue Alvarez, who says sometimes he waits all day for a single container. Six to eight hours a day, waiting in line, sitting in line. There's also a shortage of equipment for moving containers. And storage warehouses are so full, some drivers are parking them on city streets. This is my driveway, and we're getting blocked, as you can see. Clogging up residential neighborhoods near the ports. Have a great day. Thank you. Nationwide, the supply chain crisis has led to empty store shelves and soaring prices, and it's likely to get even worse. With a record shortage of truckers, the trucking industry is down 80,000 drivers. Would you call this an emergency? Well, it's certainly getting to a crisis level. Derek Leathers is the CEO of Warner Enterprises, one of the largest trucking companies delivering goods across North America. He told us solving this growing crisis will not be easy. So the ports is where it starts. It's the most visible piece. But the problem is a lot more complicated than that. Um, it's, it's a combination of rail speeds, truck availability, warehouse space, and ports, all of which are being stressed to their absolute capacity right now. And there's no let up in consumer demand for imported products. Let's get to that new recall and warning tonight involving a room spray sold by Walmart that's been linked to a deadly bacteria. Authorities now asking people to make sure they don't have it in their homes. Here's Kristen Dahlgren. Tonight, answers to a mystery infection. The CDC believes this Better Homes and Gardens aromatherapy spray sold by Walmart could have been spreading the bacteria, sickening four people in four states, killing two of them. In testing hundreds of samples from homes of these individuals, we came across a hit. The bacteria, more commonly found in Southeast Asia and Northern Australia, can cause an illness called meliodosis. The cases that are being investigated by the CDC are uh, individuals who had never traveled. And so it was uh, unusual for these individuals to have developed this infection. In Texas, four-year-old Lila Baker was left unable to walk and talk. She's kind of like a princess made superhero. Several of her family members also tested positive but didn't get sick. It's still unclear if they had the aromatherapy spray. But late today, the Consumer Product Safety Commission announced the recall of nearly 4,000 bottles, advising consumers to return the product to Walmart, double-bagged and in a cardboard box, also cleaning sheets or counters that may have been sprayed.
In a statement, Walmart expressed sympathy to the families impacted and said, we pulled the product from the shelves of about 55 stores where it was part of a pilot program. Symptoms of meliodosis include fever, cough, chest pain, and abdominal discomfort. The government trying to get out the word about a danger that could be right under someone's nose. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. Up next for us inside China's own battle to get a handle on big tech and social media. With Voltaire and arthritis pain gel. We're back with our series Behind the Wall and the extreme measures China is taking to tighten its grip over the Internet and social media. Janice Mackey Freyer is in Beijing. Chinese tech companies all but run the lives of more than a billion people here. Everything from social media to gaming, maps to mobile payments, even investing. All happening within single ecosystems like WeChat or Alipay. How dependent are you on WeChat? 100%? 100%. 100%. Uh, 100%. Literally every single day. Anything that the uh, government has blocked, they created another version for Chinese people to fit their needs. But that era is over. China's government now cracking down with new regulations on once untouchable tech titans, reasserting state control over the industry and its user data. They genuinely do want to... Uh, curb the power of some of these companies who create what they believe is sort of a safer and more trustworthy, clean internet ecosystem. It's a global trend. In the U.S., critics of big tech are also pushing for new regulations around social media algorithms and data privacy laws. But China's campaign reaches wider to strengthen Communist Party control of virtually everything that people see and do online. Even kids have new rules that ban online celebrity fan clubs and restrict video games to three hours per week. Some teens reacting on Douyin or Chinese TikTok, which also cut access for kids to 40 minutes per day. This tech reckoning has private companies here skittish about what's next. What China can do can be a whole lot more coercive. Uh, it, it, it can be done without a lot of discussion or buy-in. As China's government reshapes the internet and more than a billion digital lives. Janice McEfrayer, NBC News, Beijing. And up next for us, Broadway's return comes with a new look that's inspiring America. Tributes are pouring in for Peter Scolari, the Emmy-winning actor who died today after a two-year battle with cancer. Scolari shot to fame opposite lifelong friend Tom Hanks in the 1980s sitcom Bosom Buddies. He's also fondly remembered for his roles on New Heart and Girls. Scolari was 66. Finally tonight, Broadway is back. The new season after its longest shutdown ever due to COVID, featuring an unprecedented number of black voices at center stage. Here's Ron Allen. After a chorus of calls for change on Broadway, seven new shows in the iconic theaters known for their brilliant lights as the Great White Way feature the work of black playwrights. From comedies like Chicken and Biscuits about hidden family secrets exploding at a family funeral to dramas like Thoughts of a Colored Man about the hopes and dreams of seven young black men. Lackawanna Blues is Ruben Santiago Hudson's one-man show about the adoptive mother who raised him. Why do you think it is that this hit Broadway now? Broadway and every medium has to respond to the racial strife, the discourse in this country. 
The new play is a victory for advocates who, during the shutdown, negotiated new industry-wide diversity standards. Lynn Meadow has spent 50 years in the theater business. Is there something that's really changed that's going to endure? It's too early to know. My hope is that we will flourish and that we will continue to be inclusive. Tony Award winner LaShawn stars in Trouble in Mind, ironically, about discrimination in the theater industry written in the 1950s. I'm shocked that it's taken 66 years for this brilliant play to have its debut on Broadway. She's fighting to make sure this season's seven plays are not the last. We're going to keep our elbows holding that door open so that those behind us can continue to come in. You have strong elbows. (laughs) Broadway's new season with a new look. Ron Allen, NBC News, New York. And that's Nightly News. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. attention. 
Tonight, the attorney for the Laundry family speaking to NBC's Tom Yamis for the first time on camera. I'm sure every parent out there knows that uh, getting the getting the news that your your child is no longer you know with you is sad under any circumstances. Uh, the fact that uh, the Laundries have been subjected to these uh, people out in front of their house for the last uh, four weeks uh, and they continue out there today is just making it all the more difficult. There was no public comment from the FBI or Northport Police, though the Lee County Sheriff's Department from 40 miles away speaking to conditions in the reserve where Laundry's remains were found. We're talking about water levels up above almost the chest area. Rattlesnakes, moccasins, alligators. From above, a view of the FBI's evidence response team performing grid-level searches in the area where Laundry's belongings and that partial skull were discovered just 24 hours ago submerged in water, likely erasing any fingerprints. That body could be very decomposed, which would mean it has to go to next level, really, of analysis. Former FBI Special Agent Clint Watts says there's one thing working in investigators' favor, a DNA profile of Laundry, who's a person of interest in the disappearance of his fiance, Gabby Petito. It's much easier to match a profile of a known to an unknown than an unknown to an unknown set, essentially, of DNA and pieces of evidence. The remains were found submerged in water for days or potentially weeks, accelerating the decomposition process. Now, they obtained a dental imprint, which was matched in a day or two. But there are still questions tonight about how Brian Laundrie died and why a portion of his skull. Lester? All right, Sam Brock, thank you. And you can hear more from the Laundrie family lawyer tonight on Top Story with Tom Yamas on NBC News Now. Tonight, a CDC panel endorsed booster shots of the Moderna and J&J &J vaccines for millions of Americans, but with big differences in who should be eligible. A final decision could come at any time, while mixing and matching booster vaccines remains under review. Here's Miguel Almaguer. He's going to be a little pinch, okay? Tens of millions of Americans now qualify for boosters. Today, an advisory panel who gave the all-clear pouring over pages of data presented by Moderna and Johnson & Johnson, who made the case for an added dose of protection, providing a significant boost in antibodies. With FDA authorization already given, Moderna recipients who qualify are the same as Pfizer's, those vaccinated at least six months ago who are 65 and older or at higher risk of catching the virus. For Johnson & Johnson, all who've been vaccinated at least two months. We are constantly learning about this virus, but together we can be prepared and make the best recommendations to protect the greatest number of people. The CDC will also do what the FDA did not, tell the vaccinated what vaccine they should receive, how and when. With mixing and matching boosters also endorsed by the panel, the data shows those given a dose of Johnson & Johnson get the highest level of protection when boosted with Moderna or Pfizer. You were vaccinated with Johnson & Johnson and you're eager for a booster. Yes, we are. I think that the extra layer of protection will make us feel more comfortable. With 9.5 million Americans already boosted with Pfizer, well over 30 million could soon qualify for an added shot of protection comes just as deaths, infections, and hospitalizations drop nationwide. It's depressing, and I wish everybody would get vaccinated. But in cold weather states where many are gathering and spreading the virus indoors, there are troubling signs of a rise in cases. Tonight, our nation hoping to fend off another surge while offering millions another dose of protection.
Miguel joining us right now. The CDC also mentioned they're keeping an eye on the so-called Delta Plus variant. Yeah, Lester, it's in the UK. They expect more cases here in the US. It's something that's not overly alarming, but something they want to keep their eye on. All right, Miguel, thanks very much. And potential warning signs about that variant coming from the UK tonight where Delta Plus is spreading and fueling the worst spike there in months. Matt Bradley is in London. Tonight, the UK reported more than 50,000 new cases, its highest number in three months as officials are investigating a new mutation of the virus being referred to as Delta Plus. Overall, cases are up 18% in just the past week. Deaths have risen by 11% despite Britain's fast and thorough vaccination program. British doctors now demanding answers and action. If we don't learn from... Uh... Uh, previous mistakes, then we keep making them, and, and unfortunately, people's lives are being lost daily as a result of this. But so far, the government has said it won't impose its so-called Plan B, including requiring masks indoors and vaccine passports. Instead, they're urging more people over 50 to get booster shots and say COVID's pressure on Britain's health system is still bearable. It remains a threat. We're looking closely at the data and we won't be implementing our plan B of contingency measures at this point. And just yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci telling Lester Delta Plus does have mutations, but at this point, it's not cause for alarm in the U.S. We're keeping an eye on it, but there really is no reason at this point to be overly concerned about it. Well, here in the UK, that Delta mutation, which is formerly called AY4.2, it makes up 6% of cases. But scientists still don't know whether it's deadlier or more contagious than the original Delta. Lester? All right, Matt, thanks very much. And let's stay in the UK for a moment. Late word from Buckingham Palace that Queen Elizabeth spent the night in the hospital. Let's get the very latest now from Molly Hunter in London. Molly, what are palace officials saying? shouldn't have to cost more, which is why Verizon plans started went into the hospital yesterday afternoon for what they're calling preliminary investigations. She returned to Windsor Castle today, and they say she's in good spirits. Now, this comes after she canceled a trip to Northern Ireland, a move palace officials say she made reluctantly after doctors urged her to get some rest. But Lester, the queen is 95 years old. We last saw her out Tuesday night. She's had an incredibly busy few months and really hasn't showed any signs of slowing down until now. Lester? Molly Hunter, thank you. In Washington, the House voted to hold former Trump advisor Steve Bannon in contempt, recommending the Justice Department prosecute him, intensifying the showdown between Congress and the former president over the events of January 6th. Garrett Hake has more. The yeas are 229. Tonight, nine Republicans joining with every Democrat to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. You cannot blow off a subpoena in America. We know what this is really about. This is about getting at President Trump. Referring the former top Trump advisor to the Department of Justice for possible prosecution. The Department of Justice will do what it always does in such circumstances. will apply the facts and the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. Bannon had refused to engage with the committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol, despite a subpoena. 
In letters to the committee, Bannon's attorney argued he is legally unable to comply and had been instructed not to provide documents or testimony by Mr. Trump, citing executive privilege. Some lawmakers believe Bannon had specific knowledge of the planning of the attack. He knew something. We want to know that information who helped finance anything along that line. Today's vote forcing Republicans to choose between supporting Congress's power to investigate or the former president. Why is it important that Republicans vote to hold him in contempt? You would think that if they take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution, they would vote for the system of checks and balances. No, they're issuing an invalid subpoena. Um, issuing an invalid subpoena weakens our power, not if somebody votes against it. And Garrett, there's more tough news for President Biden today in his mission to unite Democrats around his spending plans. Yeah, that's right, Lester. Key moderate Senator Joe Manchin says he doesn't expect to see a breakthrough anytime soon. And his fellow holdout, Arizona's Kirsten Cinema, saw five members of a volunteer veterans advisory group publicly resign today, calling her one of the principal obstacles to progress. Lester? Garrett Haig at the Capitol. Thank you. We need to get to the new developments now in Haiti. In a video, the head of the gang holding those 17 members of a missionary group is threatening to kill them if his demands are not met. Also, an emotional message from the hostages' families. Gabe Gutierrez is in Haiti. The new video, shared widely on social media today, and apparently shot yesterday, shows the leader of the 400 Mowozo gang, who authorities say is holding the 17 missionaries for a million dollar per person ransom. He says if his demands aren't met, he will shoot them. This morning, gunfire from Haitian police breaking up a roadblock near the Port-au-Prince airport. Minutes earlier, a crowd had gathered, furious with the government amid a spiraling economic crisis, fuel shortages, lawlessness, all-out desperation. We'll occupy the streets until further notice, this man says. Across the capital city, pockets of smoke signal the growing unrest. This has become daily life here in Haiti. Tires burning on city streets, protesters furious at the government's inability to confront kidnappers. This is happening over and over again, making many roads here in Port-au-Prince impassable. Humanitarian aid organizations like Doctors Without Borders are struggling to keep operating. Earlier this year, one of their staffers here was shot dead. Today, the situation is, is very difficult for the population to get access to health care. In the U.S., today, the Ohio-based Christian Aid Ministries prayed for the kidnappers, reading a letter from the families of the hostages. We thank him that he is God and ask him to hear our prayers and bring our families home. The families are from Amish, Mennonite, and other conservative communities across multiple states and Canada. They continue to band together and support each other with prayers. Late today, the chief of the Haitian National Police here resigned. No reason given. Lester? All right, Gabe, you and your team continue to be safe. Thank you. In just 60 seconds, a new wave of migrants, possibly tens of thousands, could be headed here on top of a record surge. And what could be historic storms will tell you where and when. Tonight, we're following what could be a new surge of tens of thousands of migrants heading to the southern border. Just as we've learned, this year's surge has shattered all previous records with nearly two million migrants crossing the border. Julia Ainsley has more. Just a month after these stunning scenes from a Texas border bridge, another reminder of the record-shattering migrant surge. 
New data obtained by NBC News shows over 1.7 million undocumented immigrants were apprehended at the border over the last year, the highest total in American history. And tonight, U.S. officials monitoring tens of thousands more who may soon be making their way north. I want to leave in any way I can, this man says. Migrants amassing in Colombia, Panama, Ecuador, and southern Mexico. Some met with violence from law enforcement along the way. Republicans blame President Biden for encouraging the surge by releasing many migrants into the U.S. This week, pressing his choice to head Customs and Border Protection. Is there a crisis or is there not a crisis at the border? Senator, I would say that my highest priority is going to... I didn't ask your priority. Is there a crisis at the border? Senator, what I'm certainly trying to convey is how serious I take what's happening at the border. The Biden administration blames much of the recent surge on misinformation that gives migrants false hope. NBC News has learned they're building an intelligence cell to monitor those messages and better predict the next wave of migrants. Lester? All right, Julia, thank you. We're tracking a series of storms, including a potentially historic one taking aim at the West Coast. Flash flood watches already up in Northern California. Parts of the West could see up to 10 inches of rain and up to three feet of snow by Sunday or Monday. It could be one of the strongest October storms on record to hit the region. And up next, the new arms race with China over electronics. Now it's affecting you. Better shouldn't have to cost more. Which is why at Verizon plans start at just $35. And if you're not a customer, we'll help cover the cost behind the wall. U.S. officials are closely watching the Chinese military's meteoric growth. Courtney Kuby is at the Pentagon. And Courtney, there's a lot of concern about China's increasingly aggressive behavior. That's right, Lester. And that includes a hypersonic test that flew around the globe, maneuverable in flight, and traveling five times the speed of sound. Defense officials warn it is extremely tough to stop. China denied the hypersonic test. Also recently, China flew nearly 150 fighters and bombers near Taiwan, a record number. Defense officials tell NBC News the flights were both to intimidate Taiwan and give Chinese pilots a chance to learn the airspace. And at sea, China launched 25 new warships last year alone. One defense official calling the Chinese military growth stunning. China's ultimate goal, take back Taiwan. Lester? Courtney Kuby, thank you. In China, also the center of a global shortage on the tiny technology used in everything from phones to toys to cars. Jacob Ward now on the push to make the USA a bigger competitor in the field of semiconductor chips. Right. Are you liking this one better than the other? Buying a new car has been harder than the Johnsons expected. A little surprised to find that there isn't much out there. Or maybe nothing at all. They're thinking of going from two cars to one. Typically, a car dealership would have hundreds of new models for sale. But today, because of the chip shortage, dealerships look like this. That's because two years ago, just before the pandemic, about three and a half million new vehicles were for sale nationwide. Last month, there were fewer than a million. Toyota sales manager Keith Hernandez says the shortage has been a shockwave through the industry. From, you know, service, our technicians, our lot attendants, um, you know, our greeters, our sales managers, our directors... As for what's caused the plunge in supply, it's something tiny. Your entire life runs on semiconductors. Taiwan makes 60% of the world's semiconductors. But rising tensions with China means global anxiety about that chip supply. The pandemic was a taste of what life is like when that supply is threatened. 
When COVID struck, the demand for PCs and tablets meant redirecting many of the semiconductors to those types of devices we used to work from home and away from toys, electronics, appliances, and cars. It was a pressure test of the system. Absolutely, absolutely, and frankly, we failed. Which is why Intel is working to bring more production stateside. CEO Pat Gelsinger showed us a $10 billion semiconductor factory outside Phoenix, where cutting-edge chips take months to create and can be ruined by a speck of dust. It's the cleanest area on Earth. The company just broke ground on two more factories like this one, but says it would need dozens more to provide enough U.S.-built chips to create a secure supply for everything, from military aircraft, minivans, wow. to microwaves. You're a for-profit company. Why should Americans entrust you to drive what is increasingly a, a national security issue. Clearly, this is an industry move, and Intel is uniquely positioned in the U.S. semiconductor industry. We should have been putting more uh, capacity uh, in the ground, and we're making up for that as fast as possible. Now, a new bill, the CHIPS Act, could put $50 billion into the American chip industry to compete with Taiwan, whose government has funded the development of semiconductors since the 1990s. It's to level the playing field with what's been established for the last 30 years uh, in Asia. I don't expect it to be resolved until 23. It just takes that long to build new factories and to create new capacity. Until then, the U.S. will have to rely on others for what it needs. Jake Ward, NBC News, Phoenix, Arizona. Up next for us tonight, why millions are planning their day around a dog named Noodle. How this goes. Finally, the little dog with a big following whose daily forecast has become a must for millions. Here's Kevin Tibbles. Meet Noodle the Pug. Noodle, the 13-year-old, soothsaying, four-legged, fortune-telling pug. Oh, and he's feeling jazz. Who's got the whole world waiting each morning to see if it's going to be a bones or no bones kind of day. We're not talking other dogs here, folks. We're talking people, millions of them, checking in on the Internet and TikTok. Every morning, Jonathan Graziano rouses Noodle from his slumber. We'll see if he does bounce. If Noodle keeps on snoring, nope. <laughs> well, it's a no-bones kind of day. Might as well crawl back under the covers yourself. Oh, my God, he's got bones. But if he wakes up, it's time to celebrate a Bones Day. Buy that lottery ticket. You know, positivity on the Internet is a little hard to come by nowadays. And if, if I can contribute to that, it's just amazing. And it's a, it's a privilege. You know what to do. You've got to treat yourself today. What's Noodle noodling about in these intense confrontational times? Stay tuned tomorrow when we get the bones from this latest cuddly internet distraction. This dog does not like to do things. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. It's a lot of pressure on a little dog. That's nightly news for this Thursday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.